Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome, patrons, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and friends beyond the binary. Because this is a podcaster that just misstarted his own intro. So what do you say we go back and say that again and get out the show? Thanks for supporting it, patrons. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, whether that's uh, thoughts, like things on your mind, thoughts, uh, feelings, so any emotions coming up for you, uh, like uh, from the past, present, or future, physical sensations, uh, changes in routine, or weather, or temperature, or just, you know, general baffling things. Uh, whatever it is that's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. And what I'm going to attempt to do, oh, I already said that, but I am going to say it again, is I try to create a safe place where you could set all that aside. A nice, a safe place. We may have, I, I guess we're going to talk about Nerf in this intro. I don't know I mean, if I've talked about it. It was so recently or so long ago, I forgot. I mean, what could go better? I don't know if Nerf does any advertising anymore, but somebody reach out to them and say, yo, uh, and they say, well, actually, you're not really our, mar-. I'd say, well, I'm sure there's, uh, I'm sure, actually, I'm, I bet you our, the people that listen to this podcast have purchased Nerf products, maybe as a gift before. Because you'd say, well, we, yeah, we at Nerf sponsor safe places. Those are two things that go together, uh, mostly. Uh, so where was I? Oh, I'm going to try to, oh, the way I'm going to send, establish this safe place is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. Uh, I'm going to go off topic. Clearly, I've already done that. Get confused, misspeak. Uh, those are point. That's what kind of what pointless me. That's what pointless meanders are made of. Uh, like uh, in other stuff, extra words, half words, three quarter words, one word fragments. So okay. So if you're new, before I go on this Nerf tangent, uh, Nerf tangent. It's the newest thing from Nerf. Uh, it, uh, that's just a pool noodle and a knot, Scoots. Uh, and I'd say, mm, that's what you think. Uh, it's so much more, though. Uh, but So what I'm going to do, oh, if you're new, that's what I was going to say. Okay, a couple of things to know if you're new. Uh, or if you're a regular listener, I'm so glad you're back. Uh, and uh, let's all, you know, when you're new, if you're a regular listener, I know you, a lot of you already have your particular way you like to consume the intro. But let's just, and I'm not kidding here, let's open our hearts up a little bit uh, and uh, and give a, give a little bit of, say, like a well, in a welcoming way. Let's see if this sympathetic vibration can tingle across the universe. And, you know, when you hear me say, when you hear me go to the new listener, let's open our hearts to them. And new listener, here's the thing: you're that way. Your heart does not have to be open, and I'm not. I'm not joking about that either. If you're new to this podcast, you're probably skeptical, doubtful, unsure, and you have that sour patch kid face on because you say, "Well, I don't know what this is. Is this sweet or sour? I don't know what this taste is. I'm hearing in my ears." So if you're feeling one of those feelings or all of them, that's perfectly normal. I've got tons of other people here that have been through that. In fact, over 90% of listeners say it took two or three tries before I got used to the show. So kind of get, loosen up uh, your your uh, your focus or something. I don't know. Uh, and kind of see if you could do this podcast a little bit different. That's what I mean. That's why it takes two or three tries and if you're waiting for it to start or start making sense, uh, kind of like say, well, oh, wait, it doesn't ever get, it's already started and it'll never get started. 
so and eventually that will make sense in a nonsensical way. So that's one thing. It's like consume the podcast out of focus or just barely listen. This is the one podcast you don't really barely, you just barely need to listen to it. So that's one. The second thing is, uh, what's the second thing? Oh, podcast. Oh, no pressure to fall asleep. If you're here, this podcast actually doesn't really put you to sleep. It keeps you company as you drift off. And that's why the show is about an hour, just to give you plenty of time to drift off. I'm going to be here to keep you company. I'm your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar cuz, your boar sib, your boar bud, your boar bestie, your boar friend. It, you know, if you'll have me. Eventually, you could you could say, well, this is a boar person, and uh, I'll see how I feel after that. I say, totally cool. I get it. Uh, the shows are also uh, over an hour or about an hour in case you can't sleep. If you need this podcast, it'll be here. I'll be here till the very end. Some people listen all night. Uh, like uh, some people set a sleep timer. Uh, some people turn on the show when they wake up. But however it is that works for you, just kind of test it out and see. But I'll be here. Uh, I'm here to keep you company, to take your mind off of stuff. And ideally, then you fall asleep. Uh, so those are two things. The next thing to know is the structure of the show. If you're new, it's a very different than a normally structured podcast. Uh, but we do have a, a, a super, uh, I don't mind saying, I think uh, my the structure shows based on listener feedback, and I consider it a superstructure. Uh, so the structure of the show is, here's how it goes. It starts off with a greeting, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for friends beyond the binary, so that everyone knows they're welcome here and uh, that they hopefully feel seen and respected. And they say, oh, okay, maybe this is a safe place I could check out. It's also Poe po Buddy's nerfic place. You say, okay, well, it's not a perfect safe place, but it's it's pretty darn not bad. That's our most popular review. Pretty darn not bad. Sleep with me. The podcast that uh, I listen to while I fall asleep. So, oh, so the show starts off with greeting. Then we have business. That's how we get it out twice a week on a regular basis, over 800 episodes, maybe even 900 episodes at this point. Uh, so that's, uh, that, so that's a business. Then there's an intro. So the business or the intro can throw people off. The business is only a few minutes and the intro is around 12 to 18 minutes of me rambling like this. And you, some, again, it may, and give it a few tries, but you may discover, oh, this isn't for me. The intro has indicated that this is not my cup of tea or not my taste. Uh, so it's tough. It's a gray area. You say, well... Okay, if you, that's why it takes two or three tries. You say, oh, okay, yeah, this intro is different uh, versus, oh, this isn't for me. And if it's not for you, I, I hope you find something that is. But w what the real purpose of the intro is, so you say you take 12 to 20 minutes to introduce your podcast 900-something times, Scoots. And I'd say, yeah, well, it took about 150 50 episodes to get the intro dialed in to where it is today. But yeah, there's about 2% of listeners that start the show at 20 minutes, so some people skip ahead. But the rest of the listeners, there's new listeners, I want them to understand what they're getting into. And then there's regular listeners. Now, for the regular listeners that listen to the intro, it's part of their wind-down routine. Some people are doing their skin care. Some people are petting their pets. Some people, listeners, are doing a light bedtime hobby. Uh, and other listeners are already in bed getting comfortable and cozy. So kind of as you become a regular listener, you kind of see how it goes. But the whole goal of the intro is to ease you into bedtime and take your mind off of stuff uh, as you start to drift away. For me, like literally my over the past, uh, in 2020, I mean, you know what I'm saying about 2020, I've like started to stretch my wind down routine to about an hour and a half. And that's not just like lying in bed. That's like uh, uh, sitting outside, reading and drinking some tea, uh, foam rolling. Uh, d d then um, what, what else? <laughs> I think I'm already out of order. No, sitting outside, doing some reading, uh, foam rolling, oh, meditating, maybe doing some journaling and then reading for pleasure. Uh, 
And, you know, that takes me about an hour and a half to be at the place where I could fall asleep. So it has, like, I've leaned into it more because I've needed it more, that long wind down. And so the podcast is just one part of that for a lot of listeners. Other listeners just start it up and they get comfortable and they fall asleep or they start to relax. And then after the intro, we'll do some business. And then it'll be a, a tale of the tape episode where I look back at uh, what I can remember from the movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which will be, uh, I watched the movie, so I recorded the episode last week, then I watched the movie, now I'm recording the intro, I said, wow, I missed a lot of that movie. Uh, so it, it's just like a bed- bedtime story version. It won't be very much like the movie, because I barely remembered most, like a lot of the movie, even though it's a huge impact in my life. So that's the structure of the show. Then there's some thank yous at the end. And uh, the other thing to know is uh, there's two important things I want you to know other than all of that if you're new. Or three things. One, podcast doesn't work for everybody. So if it doesn't work for you, give it a few tries and see. If it doesn't, it just doesn't. You know, like I said, it's not for everybody. And I hope you find something. You can check sleepwithmepodcast.com slash no thank you out. Uh, but so... Uh, the other th- things to know is, one, you deserve a good night's sleep, and I'd like to provide that for you if I can, because if you get a good night's sleep and you start getting more quality sleep, your life's going to be better. And then you might be in a position to flourish, and the world or your world uh, that you have an impact on will be a better place, and that means it's a better place for all of us. Uh, but really, I, I just think you do deserve a good night's sleep. And the other side of it is I know how it feels when you can't get a good night's sleep. So that's why it's even more important for me to let you know that or to try to help you get some sleep if you can or take your mind off stuff. Because trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep, all of that stuff, I deal with it uh, on and off because I have my nice wind down routine. But. Uh, I still deal with it, and so, yeah, if I can help, it, it's my honor to do so. So I, I think that's, uh, like, uh, so that's, uh, yeah, so those are the two, and that's why I make your show, because I've been there, and, and I want to make bedtime less of a rigmarole, less of a stressful thing, and I, I, ideally something either you can look forward to or say, well, it's not as bad because I got scoots to take my mind off stuff. So that's why I make the show, and then I guess I was going to talk about Nerf. Uh, so Nerf is, I don't know if it's an internet, I mean, I assume it's an international company. I, mean, I don't know if I've done research about Nerf before, and I don't know where they started. I know, like, back when I was a kid, the big Nerf products were the Nerf uh, hoop, which was a foam ball and a basketball hoop you would hang on your door. And then they had a Nerf football, which was a foam football that I always loved, you know, like because uh, it wasn't so hard. It was easier to catch. It was easier to hold. It's easier to throw. And it was good for people to throw it in the water, too. Nerf soccer ball. Dogs would always chew those up. Um, those were the three big products when I was a kid. Then that Nerf has expanded. Hopefully they'll expand into podcast advertising, <laughs> but uh, uh, to more like things for playing tag, for uh, practicing aiming, uh, I think for splashing water. I think they, they, they have like Frisbees. They have all sorts of stuff. Uh, so and, and then I was just thinking like uh, it's just a good word, one. And then two. Usually I, I bring stuff up and I say, well, you can't have that in your bed or your bedroom. And so for the actual Nerf part of the products, you could actually have, like, I wonder if anybody said, well, you know, I get, never got into, uh, you see, Peyton Manning. Like, I don't know if it's, that's who it is, but I say, what, do you sleep with any stuffed animals? I say, well, actually, I don't sleep with stuffed animals, but I, you know, I do hold, I do hold a Nerf, uh, not a Nerf football, you know, but I know that's what you all think, uh. But in one hand, I hold a Nerf, you know, Nerf hoop basketball, and uh, I like to I like to have a Nerf soccer ball in bed with me, and then I actually have a Nerf meander, uh, like uh, it's hanging off the side of my bed. So when I roll down there, I squeeze it every once in a while, 
And it's very similar to a stuffed animal. It does bring me comfort and uh, sometimes de-stresses me or reassures me. And, uh, yeah, that's, so I do, like, I do sleep with Nerf, you know, Nerf products. Uh, um, yeah, I say, thanks, thanks, Peyton, for coming. Oh, that was all imaginary. Thanks for reminding me of that imagination. But, yeah, it's something to think about. I mean, again, you say, well, Scoot's actually this, this. I'd say, okay, I understand. It'd be like, it's not for everybody, for sure. I'm going to have to go online and look at but get, getting something right after I record this, just for fun. You say, what do you got on sale? So I think that's it. I'm really glad you're here. Uh, like I said, I make the show because you deserve a good night's sleep, and I've been there. I appreciate you coming by. I like to check, give the show a couple tries, but it doesn't work for everybody. I hope it works for you. I work very hard on this show. I yearn and I strive. I want to help you fall asleep. Thanks again for coming by. We're coming by all the time, you regular listeners. Thanks so much. And here's a couple of ways we keep this show coming out twice a week. All right, hey, everybody. This is Scoots, and this is a episode, a style of episode called Tale of the Tape. Uh, this is a style of episode called Tale of the Tape, where I try to remember the plot of a movie that supposedly had a big impact on my life. And those always kind of go uh, interesting because they say, wait a second, how did this movie that changed my life, uh, what happened in that movie? And this one also has a, a potential for me to talk about some of the sequels uh, to the movie just because uh, I don't know if I'll do it. I don't think I would do a tale of the tape of the sequels. And, I, and this is the, la- I think it's the last big kid movie I saw as a kid. When I was older, like a mid-kid, I don't know what you call that. Uh, I wasn't quite a tween yet. I, I guess technically I may have been a tween. I still played with toys, uh, which, I mean, I don't think there's any age that kids should stop playing with toys. Uh, no, I mean, I still watched Saturday morning cartoons and played with toys. So, so the movie we're going to be talking about tonight is called... Uh, uh, runners, runners of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I guess that's not that bad a word, Raiders. And it's a movie featuring Indiana Jones. I think it came out in the eighties, but again, in my mind, uh, and those of you that listen to the podcast since the whole, the whole podcast, since the beginning, you'll have to indulge me because some of this might be, I don't know if it can be repetitive when I, you know, <laughs> when I don't remember it, but, uh, uh, this was a big, big moment in my life. Uh, now, I didn't see Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark in the movie theater. So it wasn't a big in my movie theater going life, uh, but it was a big, like a huge moment. Um, and really one of those just unforgettable moments in my life uh, where my mind was literally blown, my childhood mind. And so I'll set that up, then I'll talk about what I can remember about the movie and maybe its sequels, depending on our time. So, okay, so I'm the oldest of six kids. Um, And I don't know if all six kids, I guess one of my brothers probably would have been a baby or two of them would have been young. But my my brother, Carl, and my sister, Sheila, they're only, uh, I think, just under two years younger than me. And so traditionally, the three of us, you know, we were closer in age uh, than my brother Ted is, uh, I don't know, a few, like a few years younger than me than that. Uh, and then my next siblings. But so this is when those kids were, t- I don't think Ted was a toddler, Ted the toddler. Uh, but so... Um, uh, let's see. So we would get up on Saturdays. This is a very, and a very... Uh, uh, idealized thing. We would eat cereal and we would watch cartoons. Uh, my, like, and, and when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have streaming services, but there was three or four, probably three, maybe two or three TV channels coming in over the air. I don't know if we had cable or not. It didn't really matter because the, the broadcast networks kind of dominated Saturday morning cartoons. And Saturday morning cartoons were a really big deal. Not just to kids. I think it was a pretty big industry. I guess I wonder if there's any uh, the history of Saturday morning cartoons. I guess I could do another episode about that because I don't want to get too caught off on a tangent. But they usually ran 
from somewhere around 8 in the morning till 11 or 10, maybe from 7 to 10, like usually a two or three hour block of cartoons. And as you, uh, as the day wore on, uh, the probably the quality, and you'd probably change channels depending on what your favorites were. And again, we'll go into that. But so we used to, we were, you know, hardcore Saturday. That was part of our Saturday morning for years and years and years. And a big part of the podcast, obviously, is a foundation for me. Uh, but so then what would happen is, because, uh, you you know, kids like, even back then, kids love screen time. It's just, I don't know if it's because of whatever. I don't want to get into the anthropology side of it. But we love screen time, even though it was a tube. We called it tube time. And it was, so as the Saturday morning cartoons wore down, we weren't allowed to watch WWF, which is now WWE, which I think came on after the Saturday morning cartoons. My dad it was very against that. I don't think from a moral or a philosophical standpoint, just as like a, just from a logistical standpoint, because then we, like me and my brothers and maybe my sister, we would start enacting uh, what was going on in the shows. Uh, so it was more of a child management thing. And at some point we would usually have chores or other things to do, uh, depending on the day, or we would go play. But after watching Saturday morning cartoons, transitioning to play is not easy. And you always kind of felt forlorn, like, oh, I wish there was another hour or two of cartoons for us to watch. Oh, and I guess we did have cable because, okay, so, and I talked about this in my life with HBO a, a, a bit, which is an episode that came out and was rebroadcast uh, like a, a little while back. Uh, so I guess I don't need to talk too much about HBO, but so during, so, okay, so let me talk about the Saturday morning cartoon part. So usually as Saturday morning cartoons ended, you had a decision to make uh, because that's when like sports came out, like golf or uh, football uh, or some other sport where you say, well, this isn't, or something else. You say, well, I don't want to watch this. I want to watch cartoons, uh. You know, it's funny as a consumer now, like that they're basically like, that's it, kids, it's over. Like sometimes they would have something that transitioned. Maybe they, I don't know if they have the new news on the weekends back then. Uh, but yeah, sometime around then, like around somewhere between 10 and, and 11, TV became anti-kid, basically. I mean, I, mean, I don't know, like they said, well, now it's time for adults to get up and sit down and sit in front of the TV for a while. Or it would become a land of waste where it would just be like, we don't have anything because the sports aren't starting to one. I guess that's when sports start on the East Coast, huh? And so usually as a kid, you, you and I grew up in central New York, so it might have been rainy. Now, this particular day, it didn't matter. We were literally, I think the blinds were closed. We just got through a good batch of cartoons, and this we had a free HBO because every HBO would run a few different times a year. They would have a thing where it's like, oh, HBO's free for two weeks or whatever. And, uh, you know, other things do it even now. And, or maybe it was a free trial. But so we, uh, or maybe we just had HBO then. I talked about that on my life with HBO. There was like a period where my parents were paying for HBO, I guess because they were watching it at night. But so we turned on HBO. Now, usually, like, a, there was like a Saturday movie that was not aimed at kids or youth. It was like, uh, and, and, you know, at this age, you're not really interested in that many movies or films. Uh, and we hadn't developed any taste. We were like, to go to, from cartoons to a non-animated movie is a pretty big jump. Uh, but a lot of times we would check or we'd just be running the TV. And I don't know if this is planned out or a spur of the moment. In my memory, it feels like a spur of the moment thing. And I, again, I feel like it was a spring or summer day. It was a Saturday for sure. And we changed it to HBO at either 10 or 11 or 12. And the, like maybe they have like HBO used to have this build up with HBO, the HBO thing and uh, like a movie theater going into a town, launching into outer space, just like the start of a film in a movie theater. Uh, because it was creating a home box office uh, feel. 
And then it would be, say, you know, special presentation or Saturday movie or whatever, like a feature. And this particular Saturday, the movie that started was a movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. And to say we were riveted, well, I can't speak for my siblings, but to say I was riveted and it was like all time and existence stopped for the next two hours or hour and a half. Uh, that would be an understatement. And again, I think I'm just ballparking that I was somewhere around eight, somewhere between us, <laughs> even though I have a child, like I was somewhere between eight and 11 years old or seven and 11 years old. Though I could have been 14 or 18. I don't even know. And I have no idea what year it was. I don't even have the slightest clue. Uh, and I think uh, Raider, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a PG movie. Uh, and again, they kind of supervise it by like, oh, we'll play this PG movie during the day. That's all right. Uh, and I don't know what was going on with my parents. Again, we like were in the basement where our room, like our rooms were all in this basement. And in the center of the basement was like a, uh, like a, like a common room where there was a couch and a TV. And if we weren't making too much noise, it was like out of sight, out of mind uh, for my parents. So, and then, and then my parents had their hands full, or at least my mom did, you know, with, uh, my dad probably was doing yard work or something. And then my mom had three real little kids to deal with. So we were there, we were riveted from the moment this film started till the moment it ended and I'll talk about after it ended first before I get into trying to remember the plot because I can just remember being shocked in the most positive way of where this film had just taken me. It was the first time I saw a movie like this. I don't think I'd seen any Star Wars movies, though I'd wanted to. And I'd probably seen some grown-up movies, but never something like this that was just targeted right at the, as an adolescent youth, you know, or pre-adolescent, whatever age, like a Saturday morning thriller or serial was what they were trying to recreate with that film. And that, it, like, I could tell that it was just such high quality and the story was great, the acting was great, the action, the, the sets, the set pieces... And maybe I had heard about it, like, because it would have obviously already been in the movie theaters and probably some of my friends or kids in my class had seen it. There was probably already, yeah, there was already toys and stuff. I didn't have any toys, but I remember playing with some of the toys because they think their toys were different. Uh, their action figures were a little bit different. A lot of them had, uh, I don't know, like, uh, but anyway, so I didn't have any of the toys, uh, so... It was all new to me other than some of the marketing that might have touched me. And I just remember leaving my house in the days and it was like it was nice outside and it was really sunny. And I remember actually being in a days like being like, holy cow. And then the, the, the kids that lived across the street from us uh, were our friends Uh or, well, what, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, there was a brother and sister that was, like, my age, Dave, and his sister, Aaron, that was a year older. And then Brian, that was a little bit, like, the same age as my brother, Ted. And I remember seeing Dave uh, and uh, saying, holy cow, we just watched this movie. Like, I can't believe what we just saw. And then wanting to live out the movie and reenact it and probably doing that, or me and my brother and sister probably doing that. And I think it's like instructive because it was like one of those moments I wanted to keep with me, even though it was transient and it was already gone. Like as a child, I wanted to carry that moment with me and hold on to it as long as possible, which is probably like a, a good lesson. Like it was like that that movie took me on such a journey and was so impressed me in such a way that I just didn't want to let go of that experience right away. And again, this would be like a couple of years after that, where I was old enough to go to the movies by myself, which is probably too young, but like, uh, and that's when I had that summer where I was seeing like a bunch of movies over and over and over again, because I could pay for it myself because I had a paper route and it was only like two bucks or two fifty. Uh, but I just remember it literally changed my life. It's like, I can't believe just like the first time I read really good fiction. It was like, I cannot believe this experience that was just provided for me that I was just taken on 
by this thing that I totally underestimated. So, okay, so let's go through the movie, I guess, of what I can remember about it. So Raiders of the Lost Ark stars Harrison Ford, and uh, that's who it starts out with, um, and I'll already be uh, not remembering much. So I'm pretty sure it has, like, I don't know if this is what a cold open is, but it opens already in action but not high action in mystery, uh, and they don't show Indiana Jones's face, I don't think, for a little while. Like, there's a slow build where he's adventuring with a bunch of other people, making his way through kind of a jungle setting uh, into a temple. And, I mean, I think another thing, is looking back on it, is a very, uh, like, uh, problematic culturally that he's, like, taking... Yeah, it, but but I mean, it's I, I know it's fiction, but I just thinking as a kid, you didn't have that context to be like, uh, should we really be rooting for Indiana Jones? And I mean, I guess he's a professor of antiquities, so you'd say, well, doesn't that balance it back out? Uh, so eventually, first you just see that he has like a leather jacket, a uh, hat. Uh, he's got his like. Uh, his trusty like thing that he uses to swing on his like uh, like uh, like his diva we'll call it where he, he devos it good and like uh, I don't know how soon we realize what he he doesn't like um, is that oh yeah that's not yet uh, I don't think. But so he and a couple of companions are like adventuring into this temple and then he has to overcome these different, uh, like, uh, uh, booby things, uh, booby steps, uh, as we, like a data, I don't think data would even say that, uh, from Goonies, but so he goes into the temple, he loses some of his companions one gets lost, uh, one disappears. Oh no, no. Okay. So he loses one, I think. Uh, then he gets, like, he gets, he has to, they have to jump or swing over, uh, something, like, uh, and, and he does it, the other guy does it, and, and uh, he says, uh, and Indiana Jones says, hey, can, can, give me my turn to swing across on my Devo, and the guy says, boink, and he takes off. And you kind of see, like, this combination of adventuring and uh, deduction, at least, like, uh, that's like uh, he's like a bit of a mystery solver, too. Uh, and eventually he overcomes that obstacle. Then he catches up. He finds another uh, booby thing, and he realizes, oh, the other guy went to the big farm through this uh, portal. Uh, so he gets through that one. And there was just so many layered on on top of one another that as a kid, you're like, holy cow, does this really exist? Like, this would be so cool. And as like a kid, like a story has stakes right away, like uh, big stakes uh, for for the hero and uh, the hero sidekicks, which, uh, you know, they said, well, we'll prefer to visit a big farm uh, instead of uh, hanging with Indy. Or the one guy said, well, I'm going to go ahead of you and leave you behind. And so then eventually he gets by one thing and then he has to do, go across this path and he says, oh, this is impossible. I have to run, I think. Uh, and then he gets this golden idol and uh, then he even has to like weigh stuff out. And this is, you know, been in like there's been Simpsons episodes about it and everything. And he's trying to figure out how to do it. And then he thinks he's successful but really, he triggers this part, and this is like in the, on the Disneyland ride, even. And then this giant, uh, like, uh, like again, you see, was this real? Did this any? And I don't know. Historically, did this kind of stuff exist? But like this ten or twenty foot diameter, like, but like sanded down boulder rolls after him. He has to run out. Uh, and it chases him out, and he's like, you know, again, again, it's like high adventure. And then he gets out, and it's like, oh, boy, like, he, uh, he's made it. He's, like, accomplished his victory. And then he heads down to uh, meet up with his buddy. And I think you see his buddy. He's, like, waiting in a, um, a seaplane. And then you see Indiana Jones again, and he gets caught by uh, his, uh, his, like, uh, his, the anti-Indy. 
anti-Indy, I guess. For some reason, I usually remember his name, but right now I can't. Uh, but he says, uh, uh, like, he's waiting there, uh, and he's actually kind of, like, co-opted some indigenous people to, like, corner Indiana Jones. Some, like, warriors, and he says, hey, give me the, like, title. And there is a famous line that says, like, and I don't know the line exactly, but he says, hey, you know, there's nothing you could possess, Dr. Jones, that I can't take away or something. So you get the idea this is as a competitor. It kind of, uh, it's so strong at the beginning that I guess, like, and it's so impress- impressive that, uh, like, even though he plays a part in the later mo- like later part of the movie, you almost want him, uh, I don't know, I guess there's a thirst for me to have more of him. Oh, I just heard Indiana Jones say his name in my brain, but I couldn't hear what he said. Because now I can think of his uh, Moriarty, but it's not Moriarty. But a very similar type relationship, like I can outsmart you. So he takes it. Then Indiana Jones says, he makes a right. He says, well, I might as well get out of here, at least with my stuff. Uh, and he heads out uh, to to uh, get away. Uh, then he goes to the seaplane. We realize that the, the person that flies the seaplane has a forest friend, a swamp friend, actually. Or no, in this case, like a, a friend from the jungles uh, that believes in constriction, a pet constriction pet. Uh, and Indiana Jones says, I don't like those things. And the guy says, it's my pet, man. Like, but then they take off. They just barely get away. And even as a kid, you say, wow, that's how you open a movie, man. Holy moly. Like, wow. And then you see like a little serialized thing where I think the movie opens, but they also show Indiana Jones traveling on a map, which was cool. And so there's that. Uh, Then uh, now I'll get mixed up (laughs) because... Uh, I think there's two different sets of scenes. Uh, no, I guess there's next, the next scene. Maybe there's a transition scene, but then we see a college. Uh, I don't know. Is this like the 1920s, I'm guessing? Uh, uh, and then or 1930s? I don't know. I'm not, you know, history. nothing's my strong suit except for lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones. Uh, but so we see, again, now we see Professor Jones. So he's like a button down now. He's got like a blazer with leather patches on the elbows, uh, glasses. His, he, you know, he, he looks more down to earth, but obviously he's very handsome. You say, oh boy, is this guy handsome? And he's kind of talking again about, uh, I guess, like artifacts and stuff. I can't remember. He's like a professor of archaeology, I guess. Yeah, archaeologist and a professor of antiquities. Uh, then uh, he, he, he class ends and this guy's waiting for him, uh, who's like uh, a little bit, not quite a mentor type of figure, uh, but he uh, says, uh, and I want to say this guy's name is Llewellyn, but I'm not positive about that at all. Uh, but that name popped into my head. And he says, hey, man, let's talk. How'd things go? Oh, well, I got busted by, you know, the jerk face. Uh, oh, yeah, totally. And then I think he says, hey, like, uh, there's a couple people from the State Department or something. I don't know. There's like a weird thing where he says, yeah, like, uh, the State Department's here. They want to talk to you. Or we could use your advice on something. And then they, like, have this meeting. And I guess we start to see, like, some of his adventuring supplies. We see his office and stuff like that. Uh, And then the people from the State Department are there. And they say, hey, uh, like, uh, we're dealing with, like, uh, you know, the the, the worst of the worst. and he says, oh, like, uh, and he goes, yeah, them. Uh, and he goes, oh, boy. And he goes, uh, like, A-X-I-S? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, okay. Uh, and he says, what's go- What's up? And they go, have you heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, 
And he says, of course I heard of it. It's like, uh, like uh, that's the ark where the Ten Commandments were held, but it's also rumored to have all these powers. And uh, like uh, that, it could be like used to like to to to, to use in a non, like they could unleash a lot of power that's not like good or that someone could use. And they say, yeah, we're thinking they want to use it as a uh, war. What's it good for? Absolutely something in this case. Do you think that's possible? And he says, yeah. I mean, if uh, probably. Look at these pictures I have. Uh, and they say, well, where would you find it? And he goes, well, uh, like, I think I'd have to find it, uh, like, uh, out there, somewhere out there beneath the sun and stars. And they say, what? And he said, never mind. Sorry, Scoots just slipped in a five reference. And he says, I think, like, uh, I don't know. And then they say, well, we heard uh, that they're doing this dig in Egypt. Uh, would you look into it? And he goes, well, first I'd have to look into something else. And then I think there maybe there's some transition scene, but then we get uh, some scenes with Karen Allen and uh, those that, that are amazing. She's having, she works somewhere high up in the mountains, maybe the Himalayas. I don't even know. She runs a bar, and she's having a drinking contest. Apparently, she can, like, hold her own, like, against anybody. So she's having a drinking contest with, like, a gentleman that's much bigger than her. And they're gambling. And then, uh, like, it's, it's, like, you see kind of that she's an adventurer, too, but she see maybe, does she have sad eyes? Uh but she has a victory, and she, she's, like, happy, like, at this point. Like, she's like, this is my place. Maybe I have, like, some sad eyes, but I'm also happy running my place here. And she has her community. And then who rolls in uh, but uh, this dude in a black uh, raincoat? Uh, and he's, like, also, like, he's he's kind of representative and again, I guess they layered these antagonists. Uh, I don't know if there's one, two, maybe there's three kind of representative antagonists, or is there two? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. And then smaller antagonists. But uh, he's he comes in, I have no idea what his name is, uh, and he says, uh, hi, hi. Uh, and you can already sense, I mean, this guy exudes not, like, antagonism, but in, like, a subtle, like, sour way. And a lot of people excuse themselves, and he's kind of spending time walking around, and he says, yeah, I heard you have, like, I'm looking for this thing that you used to find this other thing or something. Oh, we also learned that Karen Allen's father was an adventurer as well. I forgot about that part, uh... Because that's kind of, and they say, they, she say, they say, we think your father left it behind. He was supposed to be working for us or something. And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he says, I think you do. And she says, I don't know what you're, like, I don't. Uh, and uh, he says, you, I think you do. And she says, well, I think I don't. Uh, and he says, well, I think I'm going to close your place down for business then. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, gently, like, write you a strongly worded letter. I'm going to sit down and take this pen and write a strongly worded review of your restaurant and pub and put it out on the door because they didn't have Yelp back then. And she says, why would you do that? You're not even a customer. And he says, well, that's what I need to do to, to teach you. Like, otherwise you could tell me about this uh, artifact I need to find. Now, somehow she either had it on her or, like, something. And then all this trouble starts. And then Indiana Jones shows up. Uh, and the sound effects, that's the other thing that stuck out to me. Like, I've seen this in the theater a few times, too, as an adult. Uh, it's just, like, the level of sound effects. And, and, you know, realistic or not, just the way what they add to the film. Uh, but so she is starts to dance, you know, they, she says, no, I'm taking the pens and paper away from you. Then Indiana Jones shows up. Uh, 
And they have this whole thing where they're like trying to write. And he says, all my minions write na- nasty reviews of this pub and restaurant. Uh, and they almost lose uh, like the, the um, artifact. Uh, then he tries to grab it. And he actually like, uh, he like had dipped, he put his hand like, uh, no, it had fallen in ink. Uh, Then he put his hand on it to grab it. uh, And it was like, like, like the real ink, like the stuff that doesn't come out. I mean, without a lot of wash. Uh, So he was holding in his hand thinking he was going to get away with it. And Indiana Jones takes it away. They say, oh, these letters were just a distraction. So you could take this artifact also, maybe Indiana Jones had already come and she had kicked him out already, uh, and then he came back. I can't remember because then he they all leave because uh, they chase him away. Because uh, they say you didn't just hear your guy called for dinner, but he had had he had picked it up with the ink on it, so he had actually had a version of it on his hand in, in ink stained in ink. Yeah, then Indiana Jones says, "Hey, sorry about the time, you know, like." Uh, like, uh, I, like I thought, you know, I didn't bring money for our dates. And then I like, and she goes, yeah, well, forget the whole thing. And they say, uh, okay, well, uh, remember like, and they say, well, okay. Anyway, what do you want? You're, you, you know, I'm frustrated with you. And he says, well, I need that. You know, your dad was looking into something and I need to look into it. And she says, well, we'll look into it together. Partners, uh, or something like that. And then they fly to Cairo, I believe, uh, all as a group, or the two of them. Uh, but so they go there. I think that's where they go. But they go to meet uh, Indiana Jones has a friend there, uh, played by John Reese Davies. Uh, uh, John Reese Davies plays his friend, uh, Sala. So. They go there and they meet up, and uh, he says, "What are you looking for?" And they, he says, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. And he says, okay. And then we realize that there's somebody else, uh, why, like there's multiple people watching for Indiana Jones. Uh, and we see Saul has already figured that out. And he says, hey, this guy was trying to give you uh, sour grapes. And he could, Indiana Jones goes, I hate sour grapes. It makes, gives me a headache. And he goes, yeah, good thing I had helped you with that. Uh, then Karen Allen makes, and he says, okay, well, I think I can find, I know they're doing it outside of town somewhere. So we'll go over there. And he goes, okay, let me just, uh, let me just have an action sequence or something. He goes, maybe I'll go down to the market. And then we see Karen Allen that comes out and she looks beautiful. And so we kind of have this romantic moment, uh, and he says, oh boy. And, and she says, oh boy, you're, you know, don't, you know if you like it, put a ring on it. Uh, and he goes, okay. Uh, he goes, let's go for a walk or something. They go for a walk. And then there's this great, this is one of the more famous, uh, action comedy sequences. And again, you get a sense that this is a movie that does not take itself too seriously. It's a serious movie, but it used also uses a lot of comedy and high quality acting with, you know, comedic acting because there's like this action sequence, like in the market and in and and around this town, around the city, and Karen Allen and Indy get separated, and they have to deal with a bunch of people uh, that are hired to take, you know, to to. Uh... Oh, actually, they get away with her. I didn't even think about that. I guess that's what happened. Yeah. And they, then uh, Indiana Jones just barely gets away. Like, he kind of uses, there's just, like, a lot of action comedy. So he can't find her. Uh, then him and Sal meet again, and they say, okay, well, I think what happens is they say, let me get to the bottom of this. Let's go figure out what they're burying or uncovering first. And we... uh like he says, this is actually the only time we're going to be able to find it is we got to go down to where the dig site is. We need this thing and we got to translate this. Because uh, they think it was like a headpiece, the the, 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 the the item that Karen Allen's character, Marion, had. 
like it reflects the light. So he says, okay, we got to go down. Now, meanwhile, Marion's become the guest of, of all people, Belloc, Belloc, uh, who's a Indiana Jones's rival and working for not, the not good people. And so she says, you're working with these not, this is like, a, you know, not good. And he goes, well, you know, highest bidder, baby. And she goes, that's a mistake. And he goes, well, that's a mistake I'm willing to make uh, to get to the bottom of this. Where's it? Where's the thing in Indiana Jones? And she goes, you'll never find them. And he goes, well, we're trying to get to the bottom of something because we had this thing with the ink on the guy's hand and we still can't get it to work right. Oh, and that's the difference. So then Indiana Jones, they have both sides, like only one side printed on the guy's hand because, you know, it was only on one side. So they realize, oh, they're using the long, wrong size staff. Uh, so then Indiana Jones goes down. Um, is this what happens? Uh, yeah, I guess he goes down there and... Uh, Again, he has to deal with some things that he doesn't necessarily like. He has to overcome that. Uh, then he finds the... Uh, huh, maybe I may be doing this out of order, but that's pretty typical. But he goes down. He says, well, let me get this thing free. Or let me find out if the Ark of uh, the Covenant's down here. I wanted to say there was one more scene, but I think that, yeah, I guess there's like two more locations. So he finds it, uh, and then I think it, uh, Solid joins him, and then they like uh, they start moving it, and I think they eventually start raising it up, and then they say, hey, thanks, uh, you're going to stay down here. And then in- Indy has to get out of there, which I think he finds his way out somehow. Uh, but again, they say, oh boy, I have to overcome the things I'm not comfortable with. Uh, but they thought he was stuck there. So he gets out, and I, I don't know, Sala, maybe that's it for him in the movie, I guess. Uh, can't remember if he comes back in the movie. But basically, then Indy says, okay, they got Marion, maybe they have Sala, and they have the Ark. Uh, now i got to figure stuff out. But I think he says, well, first things first, I got to rescue Marion, uh, in this case, Maid Marion. And then she says, I don't need rescuing. He goes and finds her tent. And uh, then they say, she says, okay, let's get out of here. And she's the one that does that. Then they have to, um, then they get on this thing with this biplane or like a plane, well, not a biplane, but a single winged plane, which is very advanced for the time that the not good team has. And that's when there's all sorts of action, like uh, that actually the stunt show in uh, Florida has. Uh, so there's this big action sequence, tons of cool stuff. And like a, like a whole thing of like, uh, uh, you know, one-upsmanship and him, Indiana Jones, trying to outsmart and outdance and all that. And then I think right when, at least in my memory serves, like right when they're about to get away, uh, something else happens. I can't remember. Uh, I guess maybe I'm missing a sequence, and maybe some of this is out of sequence. But like they don't, they don't manage to get away. And Bellic, uh and maybe that dude in the the black raincoat, and maybe one other. I'm pretty sure there's one other, or maybe it's just Bellic, uh yeah, it says, nope, you're busted, B-U-S-T-E-D, busted by the antagonists, and uh, so sorry. And then they uh, say, okay, you're going to come with us because we're going to actually test this out to see if we can use this Ark of the Covenant as a W-A-R, what's it good for? And I think Indiana Jones tries to reason with Bellic. He says, listen, man, you're talking about like a, like a spiritual item can't be used as for, for what's it good for. It's good for doing good. And if you do this, it's just not a good idea. Like, uh, and he says, you know what? I work, I work for this and, you know, we believe in use, you know, like, uh, we're co-opting spiritual forces, uh, for our own means, uh, 
And Indiana Jones says, that's a bad idea, man. So then they go to this remote, remote location where they have all these like lights set up and energy boosters and all sorts of stuff like that. And, uh, Indy says, you, again, you're making a big mistake. Uh, and they say, well, I don't think we are. And he says, okay. And then they set it up and they, they kind of like, uh, like Indian and Marion and maybe Sal are there. And Bellick is like, gets all dressed up, uh, like, cause he says, well, I have to be in a, a fancy headdress and stuff to co-opt this energy. And it becomes this great build. Uh, and he's like, like almost like he's weaving spells cause he's like reading all sorts of stuff, I think. And then there's like this slow build up. uh, and then Indiana Jones realizes, okay, like, uh, he's, he's still deducing or, or unpuzzling one last mystery, I think. And he says, okay, don't like close your mouth, your eyes and your nose, uh, and don't open them for any reason because, like, uh, that'll counter the, uh, spiritual WAR try. And because he says, you're unleashing something, you know, power you don't understand, which ends up happening. And then Belloc releases his power. And there's a lot of special effects. It's a bit like all, all so they had all these, can- they ended up, they, the, the, for some reason, they were also collecting candles. So, so all their candle collections got melted, which is frustrating to all of them. And they say, booty, boo, boo, man, all our candle collections got melted. So we're really unhappy. And so it was uh, like, we were going to use those as part of it. And, and uh, they all go away. They, they're so frustrated. They say, we're going to the big farm where we could have. I don't think they were going there, though. They're probably not going to the big farm, if you know what I mean. And then, uh, like, Indy and Marion and maybe Saul are left and they get away and they say, okay, well, let's bring this thing back. Uh, and then they return, and I think they say, he says, I don't know, maybe we should go our separate ways. I don't know how they end things, but he ends up, like, uh, giving the Ark to the U.S. government to just, I guess, in another piece of, like, a think, a think piece or a comedy piece, uh, they put it in this giant bureaucratic warehouse, and they just store it away in the middle of nowhere, uh, that's like, oh, this is this great discovery, and it just gets put away to never be used or discovered again and forgotten. And I think that's how it ended, and this is coming soon, you know, another movie. And then the movie after it was called uh, Indiana, and I guess the movie started as Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then it became Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So then the next movie was called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Achu. And that movie was the first movie that had a rating of PG-13. And I remember that just because it was a big, big deal back then. And I don't know if it impacted the box office movie positively or negatively. Uh, but uh, that movie was a little bit different. Um, uh, some Again, some of the main cast was not there. And I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'd have to rewatch it to kind of get a sense of, like, is that movie good or not? Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious to rewatch it. I mean, I, I think it was not quite on the same level as the first movie, but again, how are you going to um, capture that again? Uh, I mean, I think it had some interesting parts and, and stuff like that. And, but uh, so I guess I can't really talk about it. Other than I remember that I wasn't allowed to see it because it was PG-13. I was definitely not 13. I don't know. I might have been even 11 or 12. Uh, I wish I knew what ages that was. Uh, but so like, but I just remember that it was a big deal. And that all the kids were talking about, especially the kids uh, whose parents let them go see PG-13 movies or were like, oh, I'll take you to the movie. Because up until that time, there was just G, PG, and R. And PG meant you could go, uh, you know, you're supposed to ask your parents, but you could kind of go. And then R was like n- under 18 or whatever, under 17, not admitted and then they said, well, we need something. And again, this was the 80s. It was a very different time. Like, uh, I think as uh, we were kind of trying to decide, hey, what are, what are our value systems? 
And there was a big push at that time for traditional value systems. They said, well, I'm not sure about this new world we're moving into. And so some people, and I don't know if that's what caused this or not. To be honest, I have no idea. But uh, that's just my memory of the 80s saying, well, we need something that's a little bit more vanilla. We like vanilla and saccharin. Do you have those two things? Like in saltine crackers, we'd prefer a film like that. Or as far as the rate, we can't have, wait, does that have sugar? It, like, you know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's my memory. And then I remember uh, the next sequel, uh, in, what was it called? Uh, I don't know, the movie after that, the third movie had Sean Connery in it. I saw it too many times. Uh, like, one of my friends was, like, we all, the first time we all saw it, we loved it. Then one of my friends was, like, trying to dig into, we, we went to the library because we were so obsessed with, like, the, the cookies that were in the movie. And then we went and saw it again, trying to, like, be like, what does that painting mean? Like, we were all obsessed with, like, the different hidden, hidden symbols in the movie, which now you could just look up on the internet and stuff. Uh, but there was a lot of hidden symbols in the movie that would pay off later in the film. Uh, and then I, like, so I saw, like, I just saw, it was one of those movies I just saw too many times in a, in too short a period where I just, I don't think I've seen it in a long time. And I don't know if I can. I don't know, maybe something, like, uh, associated with some other thing where I'm like, oh. Uh, so I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I saw that. But Sean Connery always makes everything great. Uh, and Harrison Ford, obviously, is great in all three movies. Uh, most of the other ch- c- cast, Denim Elliott, uh, I don't know if he's in all three movies or not, uh. Is that who that is? Yeah. Like, uh, but you know, really good. Uh, I don't know. And again, just a big experience as a kid for me, the first one. And interesting too, because like Steven Spielberg talks about kind of, uh, trying to capture that Saturday serial st- type feel from like Buck Rogers or other stuff, uh, so it's just like the positive echoes of childhood, how it's like, oh, well, this impacted me somehow and how I like uh, viewed the world. And then, I, you know, maybe this led to me making the podcast. And you say, well, you also remembered the movie. like, And I say, yeah, you're right. I totally misremember the movie as well. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that because uh, I enjoyed telling you about it. Uh, good night.